Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. I'm producer host Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Have we got an exciting topic for you, something that is top of mind for everyone, not just in automotive, but all over the world. And I have two special guests before I introduce the topic. That was just a teaser to get you to stick around. I'm speaking today with one of our regular guests. Always thrilled to have him on. We learned so much from him. It's Bill Newman. Bill, for the recording for the video, I'm looking at them on Zoom so I get to see them. Bill Newman, North America Executive Industry Advisor. They call him Chief, in quotes, at SAP. Welcome, Chief Newman. How are you? I'm well, Bonnie. Thanks for uh, having me back on with your program oh, oh, today. Always terrific. And we have a newcomer today. His name is Brian Irwin for the video. You can wave hello, Brian. He's Good at Accenture. Morning, Good morning. He's a managing director, and Brian leads Accenture's automotive and mobility practice across North America. How are you, Brian Irwin? I'm doing great today, Bonnie. Where are you in the country today? Where are you? What part of the world are you in? I'm joining you from Livonia, Michigan, Detroit, here at uh, an, an automotive innovation hub. Very, very. We, we love to talk to people from Detroit. And, and many of our guests, Bill, I think you can agree with this. Many of our guests in automotive, regardless of what they're practitioner of, whether they're a thought leader, whether a consultant, an advisor, whether they're an actual supplier, seem to come from Detroit. There are a lot of Detroit rules. As a matter of fact, the new band I'm forming is going to be playing Devil with the Blue Dress by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. There, just want you to know. So, good song. So, let's do some introductions before we get to the topic. I'm still holding the audience in in abated breath, waiting to see what we're going to be talking about, but it's going to be exciting. Bill Newman, just reintroduce yourself. There might be 5.2 people in the world who don't remember you. Shame on them. Go ahead, talk to them. Well, Bill Newman, uh, Industry Executive Advisor at SAP. Thanks again, Bonnie, and listeners for joining us today. So 35 years in uh, in discrete manufacturing and professional services, so planes, trains, automobiles. Uh, I was once an airplane guy, uh, moved to Detroit, became a car guy, and uh, Detroit's been good to me for uh, over 25 years in my career. So um, in my role, I work with executives in North America to understand what their new capabilities are, uh, understand what their strategies are, uh, work with great partners like Accenture to, um, to understand how to bring those to life. And I'm delighted that we could all be here together and welcome Brian to the show. Thank you. And let's find out who Brian Irwin really is. Will the real Brian Irwin please introduce yourself? We're so happy to have you here. Brian, I'm putting you on speaker view so everybody who eventually sees the video will see you full screen. So introduce yourself. What do you do at Accenture and what's your passion for being here today? Brian, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. And, and thank you, Bill, for the introduction and, and, uh, and the invitation to be here. Uh, I lead the automotive and mobility business for Accenture across North America. Uh, and I have the privilege to have worked in this industry for over a quarter of a century. I started life as a, as a young professional working for one of the Detroit three OEMs, uh, got uh, the taste of automotive, got the gasoline in the veins, and I have had the privilege of, of serving uh, most of 
the, uh, the OEMs around the world for the last quarter of a century. So I've worked across America, Europe, Asia, and now with the, uh, with the traditional OEMs and now with the, the new OEMs as well. Um, the industry gives me great passion. The, uh, there's so much change going on right now. And then on top of all the positive things that we're going on, we've got this, um, I'll, I'll say, crisis in our supply chain. So when Bill gave me the opportunity to come in and join him and share some thoughts, I jumped at the opportunity. And we're very glad. I hope you didn't jump and hurt yourself. You're very glad you're here. And you just gave away the topic, Brian, and I'm happy you did because I should have mentioned it. I want. I know our listeners, every time Bill comes, everybody wants to hear it. And Bill usually does a roundtable with another person. So we're very honored to have you here. Our topic today is disrupting supply chain disruption. Now, this is something people are waiting to hear about from Bill and from Brian, because I think we've all had enough. And it's not just in automotive, right, Bill? And right, Brian? I had to wait six weeks for a screen door. I had to wait three months for a new computer. It's happening in every segment of our lives as consumers in our real lives, as well as in the industry. We know there's still a chip shortage. We know that prices are going up everywhere because everything is in short supply and things may be stuck on a boat somewhere or a barge. So disrupting supply chain disruption seems like a very, very apt topic. Before we get to that, I need to just ask a little more personal information. Forgive me, gentlemen, but Bill Newman, I can't remember if you ever told me what your first car was, the make, the model, the color, the year. Can you just give us a little story, please? Yeah, so before I got into kind of muscle cars when I was in my 20s, uh, I inherited a, uh, a car the same age as me at the age of 16 because we were in California, and that's when you get your driver's license, you know, like the day, right? You, you got your driver's license. It was a 1963 original six-volt Volkswagen Beetle. It had maybe 1,500 miles on it being that old because my grandmother drove it to and from the grocery store once a week, right? We've had this conversation before. And uh, I put probably 100,000 miles on that thing after I, I converted it to 12 volts. And it was a great little car, just like the movie Sleeper. You go into the cave, it's been put away for 2,000 years and it fires right up. It was like the best car ever. <laughs> the and then I ended up going to work for Volkswagen. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, sometimes these things are meant to be karma. Karma that goes around and cars that go around. Your grandma wasn't from Pasadena, was she? Because I know no. that they were... I know the Beach Boys used that somebody's grandma from Pasadena in a song. We'll leave that one alone. Too many memories. Brian Irwin, you're up. What would you like to tell us about? First car, first memories. Talk to me. So I was a, a teenager in the 80s. And uh, after getting my uh, driver's license like Bill, when I turned 16 on my birthday, it took me a while to afford my first car. But what I got, it was worth waiting for. I got a 1977 Mustang Cobra II, white with a blue stripe. Now you think, where have I seen that before? Farrah Fawcett drove that car in Charlie's Angels. So that was my go off to university, university school. Um, it had a, a V8, a Hearst shifter kit and uh, mag wheels. So it wasn't a bad first car and it's, it's kind of how I got the car bug. It's more than just not a bad first car, Brian Irwin. That's a 
Oh, wow, Car. And there's so many cultural, pop cultural references you've just dropped on us. Wow. All I think everybody's saying is, wish we knew him when. We would have loved to ride in that car. Thank you for sharing. Let's get to our topic today. Our topic is disrupting the supply chain disruption. Bill Newman sent me a couple of topic lead-ins, conversation starters. I'm going to start with number one. Bill, I'll read it. It's brief and to the point. Have you to spend about three minutes talking to me. Unpack it, if you will, as they say on the new shows. And then we will see what Brian Irwin has to say. And Brian, if you disagree with anything that Bill said, it's okay. He's a very nice person, at least today. So here's what Bill said. Supply disruptions have increased the need for demand sensing and planning throughout the value chain. Digital methods are creating unique win moments over companies still using, uh uh-oh, traditional approaches. Bill Newman, you're up. Unpack, please. Okay. So, you know, We've got a situation now where we've got, uh, you know, components out on boats and things that aren't made in country and uh, just everything's completely out of balance in the supply chain right now. So, um, you know, and and for those listeners who maybe have listened to this program and others, uh, one of the first components that actually started to impact production of one of the major vehicle makers in North America wasn't the semiconductor or, or a battery. It was actually a sunroof. So it, it really needs to be looked at across all industries and all components. We're just massively out of balance right now. But what we're beginning to learn is that there's a competitive advantage to organizations that have the ability to look digitally up and down their supply chain and try to match inbound components into available vehicles. And I say available vehicles because just because a vehicle is being made doesn't necessarily mean it can be sold because, you know, of all the components that may or may not be available to go into the car, chips or otherwise. Um, So we've run into some really great cases where um, suppliers are actually able to telegraph that that sensing, that demand, all the way back to where things uh, may be coming from, maybe pivot in advance, so that at the end of the day, they're being able to put their components or their, um, you know, their, 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 their sub-assemblies into vehicles that are available, and uh, they're maximizing their profit and their revenue. Now, obviously, quantities are off for the year because, well, there aren't as many uh, available vehicles. By the way, great time to sell your used car that's been sitting around in your garage for a long time. Prices are probably maximized at the moment, so that's the hot tip for listeners today. Um, but but for those who are in the supply space who have that demand sensing, you know, they're they're not in the access database or the clipboard world anymore. It really has driven a lot of great professionals out of the um, supply demand space, which is really exacerbating the problem as well. Uh, but nevertheless, for those who have that, that background in that digital capability, you know, they're getting wins and they're getting favorable supplier scores from their OEs in the, in the best of possible worlds that they can have right now. Uh, and it's really great to see, right? The, the, the vehicle makers really aren't waiting on them. It's the supplier saying, how many vehicles do you have available I can put my product into? Thank you. Interesting. Brian Irwin, love to get your POV on this. Go ahead. Yeah, I totally aligned with what Bill's perspective. I guess um, I think that the transparency that is necessary in, in today's environment um, is absolutely key, more than it's ever been before. Um, and, and I think there's a couple of ways you need to do that. Uh, tiers can't do it themselves. The OEMs can't do it themselves. Um, in order to deliver on what Bill's talking about, there needs to be collaboration across the supply chain better than before. 
we had we had pockets, silos of information, of data. We weren't sharing to the extent we need to. That's what we've got to do. Um, and I also agree with Bill's point of view that it's a great time to sell your used car unless you need a new one. Because exactly. Exactly. Yes, thank you very much. And Bill and Brian, I remember speaking with another guest on a recent OESA Automotive Insider show who said that manufacturers are putting cars together, but they don't have the chips. So they are putting the cars in large parking lots somewhere. And then the extra challenge becomes, how do you find that car at that time when the chip for that car needs to be installed? How do you tag the cars for easy retrieval and finishing the assembly process, if you will, and then getting the car ready for sale? And that's another layer of complexity, shall we say. Thank you both for that first first discussion here. Let's go to topic number two from Bill. You say, with these disruptions, supplier management and collaboration are paramount. It is critical un- to understand how your suppliers support your products going into available vehicles. Let's continue on this thread. Bill? Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's uh, it, today's world is a lot for supply demand uh, and supply chain professionals. It's a it's a lot about uh, planning by phone a friend, right? So it's uh, you know, you're particularly again if you're not into that space that we were talking about just a moment ago, where you have those demand sensing capabilities, you're really you're really at a disadvantage. So you're you're having to do all of these things to be able to communicate with your suppliers and a lot of it is you know late nights and and even phone calls and you know emails and what have you so kind of a throwback to the early 2000s which is really unfortunate uh, but again if you are if you do have the capabilities to be able to automate that communication and provide that and and even leverage some uh, machine learning or a, a unique form of artificial intelligence to be able to balance some of those um, product availabilities because they change as well. We were just talking, Bonnie, about you know when you want to pull those vehicles back off the lot to refill them with components, right? That's another layer as well, and that has to be communicated. Um, so being able to have that kind of um, supply planning and that supply management is very, very critical to to kind of remove all of that manual process. And and again, we're slowly building back to that. Uh, but most economists say that this this type of rebalancing, this this disrupting the disruption, this rebalancing is going to take some time. It's probably going to take 12 to 18, maybe even 24 months. So uh, again, a little bit of patience, a little bit of uh, understanding, and a lot of communication with your suppliers is needed during this time. Thank you. And I'm wondering if anybody gets to sleep during these next 18 or 24 months, Bill, because if you need yeah. something suddenly, you need it now. Is email going to do it? Is a phone call going to do it? A text message going to do it? A smoke signal coming out of the top? Yeah, of and, I, and, and as I like to say, you can't you can't air freight things that are already on a boat, right? So that's part of the challenge that we have as well. Yeah, there you go, Brian Irwin. Love to get your thoughts on this. Go ahead. Yeah, true, absolutely true. Everything that was said. I mean, the the issue around collaboration is more than let's shake hands and think about what we need to do differently. For one, um, it's it's not something we'll do equally with all of our suppliers. I think there's a an opportunity here to rethink maybe the strategy or the tiering of our suppliers. Uh, I think we've learned that some are perhaps more valuable and important than we thought before. I mean, all suppliers are important. So there's maybe a, re, uh, a realignment of supplier strategy. 
And then it's, um, it's around people, process, and technology. I hate to say that, but it always comes through in, in everything we do around supply chain. Um, I think about the, the need to share information only, and, and, and where that takes you, of course, is to the cloud. Yet only 20% of uh, suppliers are using the cloud throughout their, ubiquitously throughout their, their supply and operations business. And that needs to change. Thank you very much. Interesting. Bill, thanks for that topic. Appreciate it. Let's go to your topic number three. You say balancing complex operations and material flow inside plant operations to maximize available app output and revenue. Oh, we're talking revenue now. Will It's like, let's just keep it going. Oh, by the way, somebody has to make money out of this. We'll enable large suppliers and vehicle makers to maximize revenue and profit per vehicle program. Bill, this needs to be unpacked. Please go ahead. Yeah, so um, earlier in the year, um, you know, everybody kind of thought that they could do a lot of balancing in terms of their product flow coming in and out of their plants and going into vehicles. Well, as vehicles became less available, um, we began to kind of rebalance our own plant operations. So for those who may or may not be familiar with how a plant operates inside automotive, you do have some flex as you build into your schedule, right? You can do third shifts, which comes with a cost. You also have some flex time typically in July for the plant shutdowns. Um, but when we start to get into Q3 and Q4, if, you're, uh, if your plant is based on a calendar year, you just don't have that flexibility anymore. So when you're not able to make parts, that revenue is lost. And we're beginning to see some of the, uh, some of the um, uh, results, earnings reports coming out of Q3 from some of the automakers and the large suppliers. And they're beginning to show that you know, they've been able to fill that gap up until this time. Uh, but now they're actually, you know, not going to have that three, four or five weeks of revenue for certain product lines, certain product families. And that's really unfortunate. Once the product flow is coming in, though, you have the ability, once you have a, an understanding of how that flow happens between plants, to basically um, build build to profit, right? And this is a really important point. And we get into things like uh um, demand-driven um, MRP, which is really a critical point around large complex uh, environments. And what that means is, is that you have a certain amount of available vehicles that you can build. You want to be able to take what you have coming in, maximize those components to build the parts that you need to maximize profit going into those available vehicles. That all sounds great. The, the caveat, the rub right now is, is that vehicle makers are actually coming in over the top and they're talking to suppliers and they're basically saying, well, we want you to tag our parts and we want to see those parts being built on your line, uh, which which kind of gets in the middle of their business, and we can have very philosophical discussion around, you know, who owns what part of the business and who should manage their own business. But but it just really exacerbates. It just it underscores the importance of um, uh, of production visibility. To Brian's point earlier, um, in terms of being able to build those vehicles. But for people who have this capability, um, they do have some choices, and they might decide that they want to shift production to a certain product line and, and maximize profit because a particular vehicle maker has more available vehicles for them to put their product into. And that is a really interesting dynamic that we haven't necessarily seen before in the past, but it's definitely a reality today. Thank you. Reality is what we're hoping to achieve here, disrupting supply chain disruption. Mr. Brian Irwin, love to get your POV on this. Join us. Yeah. Um, again, shockingly, Everything Bill said totally aligned with. 
And what, what I liked was that uh, Bill alluded to these new capabilities that are required. I think about them as new muscles that have to be developed within a supply chain organization. Things like quick response, and analytics and actions, linking those together, being able to disrupt uh, or take the disruption and think through this principle of burst capacity. When, I, when I've got a, a customer demanding something different, what can I do to add short-term capacity to make that a reality. Um, and then think about this in, in terms of a sustainability level and maybe do some stress testing along the way mm -hmm. to make sure we're not breaking at the seams like we have. Thank you very much. Breaking at the seams like we have. We wanna see if we can get rid of that for next year. Speaking of next year, gentlemen, I'm gonna ask you for a quick prediction, Bill and Brian. If we had the pleasure of meeting one year from now and we're into fourth quarter, 2021, if we met in the fourth quarter of 2022, just two minutes each, would we still be talking about needing to disrupt supply chain disruption? Do you think there would be an, I'm going to use a big word, amelioration or an adjustment or a realignment or a disruption? What are you talking about? Everything is fine. The supply chain is flowing and everybody's happy. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Bill Newman, you're up first. One prediction, yes or no, and a couple of sentences. Will we still be talking about this? Go. Yes, in some areas. But we're going to have the pleasure of saying, I went to this trip that I always wanted to go on, and I was able to get together with friends and family for this really nice holiday or dinner. So that part we're going to see in relatively short order. So I think we can all welcome that. But there are going to be some low volume, hard to find things, you know, things that we have in, our, in, in North America. We're very household oriented in terms of our consumption. Some of those things are going to be, you know, hard to find. You may not get the color. You know, it may not be you can have every car you want as long as it's black, but you're going to have some limited um, choices in certain product areas and just uh, consumers in North America and other markets are just going to have to learn a little bit of patience and um, and uh, some flexibility. But it will get better, but it's going to take some time. Thank you. And I read that Henry Ford said that because black paint dried the fastest and he was looking for volume production. It wasn't, I don't want to give you, Bonnie, that red car. We'll leave that one alone. Brian Irwin, love to get your prediction. A year from now, will we talk about supply chain disruption still or will it go away? Brian. Sadly, we'll still have this as part of the industry narrative. I mean, uh, uh, we have made supply chain a CEO corner office discussion topic right now. We're going to, as you suggested at the top of the show, Bonnie, we'll be talking about this for the next 18 months. We've got uh, additional capacity coming online in North America and Europe for chips. These chip fab plants cost about 10 billion a pop. So it takes a little bit of time to get these up and running. I think we're going to have a, a chip shortage through the first quarter of 23 anyway. I do think that 12 months from now, we'll be thinking about uh, how our industry has evolved, how uh, BEVs, battery electric vehicles, are now much more part of the landscape, up from the 2.5% penetration we've got today. And you're going to be talking about supply chain through the customer experience in terms of the charging infrastructure and how we are migrating to a, a more energy transition kind of world. Thank you very much. Very interesting predictions. 
Brian Irwin, our newcomer to OESA Automotive Insiders. Thank you, sir. Appreciate all of your time and your interest. I know I'm going to be doing another show with you very soon, and we're looking forward to that. So let's keep this going. Thank you. And Bill Newman, what can I say? Always happy to have you here. Bill, your statements, your topics are always so on point, and we really appreciate all the prep you do for this. So thank you very much. And a shout out to Drew Rhodes and David Johnson at OESA, Julie Freeman, all the wonderful people who make sure automotive Insiders gets on the air with me and who are preparing interesting events and news and all kinds of collaboration with suppliers. Go to oesa.org, O-R-G, for more information on upcoming events and everything you need to know. If you're not a member yet, oh, for goodness sake, join OESA. They're waiting for you with open arms and a welcome and a smile and a virtual handshake or maybe even a hybrid event in-person handshake. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Wave goodbye. Brian, Bill, bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.